Shalom Aleichem from the Yiddish Book Center. I'm Emma Morgenstern. Today I'm speaking with Krista Whitney, the director of our Wexler Oral History Project. She had quite the summer. She's had her first substantial foray into oral history fieldwork, jet-setting around the world to collect interviews. So welcome, Krista. Hi. Um, so I think you had mentioned to me that you were in four different cities this summer. So where were you? Um, well... I was in Baltimore and the surrounds, um, Montreal, New York a few times, and then in Vilnius, or Vilna as we like to call it. All right. Um, So why don't we start with Baltimore? What was the focus of your fieldwork there? Well, we're doing a series of interviews with Yiddishists, people who are Um, raising their kids in Yiddish. So there I was interviewing um, a few professors at Hopkins who learned Yiddish as adults and speak Yiddish with their spouses and their kids. And were there any highlights from that trip? I think the highlight was actually not in the interviews themselves, but I I went over to dinner at the Kaplan's, one of the Yiddish-speaking families, and uh, their two kids were there, and that was pretty cool to be playing with these kids in Yiddish. Did you notice your Yiddish improving over the time you were there? Well, that was a short trip, but I have noticed sort of over the course of the last year where I've been doing more interviews in Yiddish that, yeah, it's it's helpful to, to uh, activate the use, as they say. <laughs> right, right. And so how about in Montreal? Did you do any Yiddish language interviews there? I went up there with Jordan, um, one of our fellows here, um, and we did one interview in Yiddish with uh, Liba Augenfeld, who Mm. grew up in Vilna, and her daughter was there too, and sort of all three of us were tag-teaming, asking questions to see, um, and that one was in Yiddish. Okay, so what brought both of you, you and Jordan, to Montreal Well, um, we have an ongoing project digitizing the Montreal Jewish Public Library's audio collection. They did a bunch of programs um, over the years that were recorded, and now uh, we're digitizing them. So every few months we go up and either pick up a new batch or return a batch of audio materials that have been digitized. And then while we're there, of course, we want to uh, do some interviews. So um, we work with the staff at the Jewish Public Library to help us identify people that, that they think we should interview. And also, of course, we have some of our own contacts. So That's great. And so, and Liba was involved in the Jewish Public Library initiatives, right? The audio project that you're talking about? Yeah, she um, she actually, there's a, a series of Yiddish talking books or audio books, and she was one of the um, narrators or readers for, for some of those books. Okay, so she must have a great voice for, for video and for oral history. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. You also said you went to New York a few times. Uh, what was going on in New York? What, what was the focus there? Well, that is um, another series we're doing. um, We have sort of several ongoing series, and this is a new one um, with Hank Isnetsky, an ethnomusicologist who works at New England Conservatory and has um, worked on and off at the Book Center over the years. We're doing a series of interviews about Yiddish music. So we were actually interviewing some Siddiq Hazonim cantors um, in, in Borough Park. Wow. So what was it like 
as a woman entering that community and interviewing men? Well, I mean, we definitely dressed for the neighborhood, so to speak. And I mean, to really be comfortable there, um, I think it, it, you kind of have to dress. I wore a skirt and, and a long sleeve. But other than that, it was actually surprisingly comfortable. These specific people that we were interviewing have um, have a lot of contact with, you know, not only they're not as performers, they have contact with people outside of the community. And I think um, also if you go in with uh, a purpose and with, you know, specific reason why you're there, um, then then it's pretty welcoming. And, and Hankus was able to connect with these um, cantors because he's actually working on an album right now with the Hasidic cantor. And he was actually mm-hmm. the connection how we got these um, interviews. So was the Hasidic Yiddish difficult or were you doing these interviews in English or um they were in English actually all the people we were interviewing are bilingual so some of them we did a portion in Yiddish um but uh we thought it would be you know we we would have a wider audience if we if we did them in English and um I think it just seemed more natural in that scenario. I wasn't actually doing the interviews I was sitting behind the camera for these ones but oh wow um, so what was that like as an experience versus what you've been doing the couple of years that you've been directing the project? Well, sitting behind the camera is definitely different than asking the questions. Um, I, you know, worked, I, you know, sometimes I always want to jump in with a question or I find myself um, sort of thinking like an interviewer, even if I don't get to ask the questions. Hankus was very uh, accommodating at the end of the interview. He he would ask me if I had any other questions. So I think I, it's hard for me to get out of the interviewer role. But um, at the same time, it was, it was pretty fun to just sit back and watch because Hankus knows so much that I don't know about mm-hmm. Jewish music. And that's why um, we're working with him to do these interviews because he really has that expertise and years of experience and research that um, that I don't have. Right. So that really informs all the interviews. It's it's good to involve him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's 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 wonderful. The real finale to all of your field trips, as it were, was Vilna um, in Lithuania. So, how long were you there? Who did you interview there? Well, I was there for um, just under two weeks, and I did nine interviews while I was there um, with people from from various uh, parts of the community and visitors. Um, I was there during the Vilnius Yiddish Institute summer program. They do a mm-hmm. Yiddish program every at the end of every summer, I was interviewing some of the elders of the community, um, survivors, and then also a professor in the program um, who lives in Argentina. And it was just, you know, I wasn't going to be going to Argentina anytime soon, so it was good to catch him there. And then um, some students in the program. Mm, great. So you really got a whole range of the Jewish people and perhaps non-Jewish people represented in that Yiddish-centric community, is that right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I tried to get a, a voice or two from different generations. And, I mean, of course, you can't 
distill the complexity of an entire city's history or a community's story into even nine voices, but I was trying to get some different perspectives. Mm-hmm. And I know that you've been to Vilna before. You were a student in the Yiddish Institute. So how is this trip different from your previous experience in the city? I guess being there before was helpful because I knew how the city was laid out and I had some contacts there. I think what is different about going as an oral historian is is getting to ask, sort of having the excuse to to have these deep conversations and ask questions um, and really let people tell their stories. So, you know, they're, you know, as a student, you do hear from, you learn about the history and you hear from some of the members of the community, but in this role, I was able to, to have some in-depth conversations. So what new information did you glean from those conversations that you had? Well, basically how complex it is. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. The history there with the Soviet occupation and it being, you know, Lithuania being a relatively young republic, only, I guess, 21 years old at this point. Um, I learned... Um, a little bit about what it was. One thing I was trying to to learn a little bit about was what it was like to be Jewish during the um, Soviet times. What were they allowed to do, and what um, what weren't they allowed to do? And and one thing, just interesting little thing I I learned is that um, people in Vilna were 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 relatively comfortable in terms of Yiddish that. Evidently, I heard various stories about how in other parts of the Soviet Union, you didn't necessarily, you wouldn't necessarily walk down the streets speaking Yiddish openly. Mm. But from a couple different people, I heard that that was something that made Lithuania and Vilna a little bit different during the Soviet occupation is that, that you could speak Yiddish. And there was actually a Yiddish theater there and uh, a chorus. Did you do a lot of those interviews in Yiddish? Yeah, I did. Um, and some, sometimes Yiddish was our only language in common, so I didn't really have a choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, yeah, um, there were there was one person in particular that it took me a little bit to to figure out her dialect because I hadn't, um, you know, w- people that learn Yiddish now learn this standardized Yiddish, which is actually based off the Litvak Yiddish, but but there are some changes, you know, notable differences. So um, it, it took me a few minutes to get accustomed, but I could understand. Were there any specific challenges of doing interviews in Vilna that you haven't encountered doing interviews other places? Kind of a funny thing was the that the power is different in in Lithuania <laughs> than it is here in the states. So I had to bring all my adapters, and even so, there were these you know technical problems, and the lights would I couldn't ever figure it out. But sometimes my light that I had plugged in would dim, and then get <laughs> brighter, and so it was kind of funny. But um, I think the the footage is is salvageable. <laughs> And uh, I hope that the that our audience will be patient if the lighting shifts a little bit in yeah. the interviews. Wow. I um, can't believe you're just carrying all that heavy equipment. I've seen all this equipment. I can't believe you're carrying it all around the city on your own. Yeah, well, crazy. I did I did set up in um, 
the place I was staying, so I did several of the interviews in one place. But um, there was one notable day where I was running down the street with my equipment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. I hope we have some photos of that. But uh, <laughs> I don't know of me running down the street. I don't know if we have those, but we certainly have photos from the city. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. Great. Do you want to just tell me about one or two of your uh I don't want to say favorite, but one one or two of the most notable interviews you did while you were in Vilna. Sure. I think the most personally meaningful interview was with a woman, Fira Bromson, who worked for many years as she actually came out of retirement to help catalog uh, a lot of Judaica and Jewish materials that had been in storage during the Soviet period. And... Um, it was, when you're asking about some of the challenges, it was logistically difficult to get an interview with her. She's not doing very well health-wise, so I had to go to her apartment, and I had to figure out where that was, schlep all my my equipment across the city. And when I arrived, she was a little bit annoyed at me because I couldn't figure out how to open the front door, even though she had unlocked it for me. Mm. Um, but... About 15, 20 minutes into the interview, she really just lit up and Mm. she was obviously telling a story that was really important to her and that she hadn't really had the opportunity um, to tell in that way. Um, She did write a memoir, but I think talking to someone about it in person was meaningful to her, too. So so that was that was really wonderful. Yeah, there's a different quality to the information you get from a spoken interview rather than a memoir. Yeah, Yeah, and I think it it had a special meaning for me because it was, you know, the last day I was going to be there and I was Mm -hmm. not sure I was going to get the interview. She's not doing very well. And I just kind of had this sense of, you know, that urgency. I need to get this because I don't know, you know, I hope she lives till 120, but you never know. And, and, and I felt that urgency to get that interview. So, mm-hmm. so that was really meaningful. Great. Well, thank you so much, Krista, for being here today. And I also just want to give you a big Yasher Koyach, uh, both for all of these interviews you've done this summer. And uh, I know the Wexler Oral History Project has reached 200 interviews. So that's a really big achievement for the project and for the book center. So mazel tov to you. And Thanks. Yeah. And uh, to the listeners, they can sign up to get a weekly clip from the Oral History Project if they want. Um, we'll put a link on the site and they can see some of the content too. Great, great. Well, thanks so much, Krista. You've been listening to a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. For additional interviews and conversations, please visit yiddishbookcenter.org audio. I'm Emma Morgenstern. Zymir Stark and Gesund. Be strong, be well, and tune in again soon. Mm-hmm.